today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When we look at our God through the lens of our circumstances, and even worse than that, we interpret the circumstances, the difficulties in our lives through that same lens. So in other words, where I'm at right now, what I'm struggling with and what I'm going through seems to override what God's promises to me. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. If you ever felt like the enemy just kept getting you down, countless times Satan will try to get into our minds and make us believe things that aren't true. However, in today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we must focus on the promises that God has fulfilled to remind us of how good and true He is. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If you've got somebody telling you something that contradicts what God's Word says, they're wrong. Oh, I I want that to be right. I want that to be true. I'm going to warm up to that for obvious reasons, because I want to hear that. It's all good. I don't want to hear that. No, that's sin. That's sin. We still call it sin. I know the <laughs> we've come up with different words to kind of soften it up a little bit, tone it down a little bit, but no, it's called sin. It's called sexual immorality. It's called fornication. And it's sin. And you need to make it right, because that ain't right. <laughs> and they're wrong, and you're wrong, and you need to get right, because this is God's Word. This is God's Word, and God's Word is the final word. So you you come up to me and you start telling me all of these things. The litmus test for me is, well, let me see, is this biblical? If it's not biblical, if it contradicts the Word of God, then get out of my face, man, and stop speaking falsely to me, and especially when you speak falsely in the name of the Lord. That's like the worst. (laughs) And here's verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Now stop right there. Let's work through this. You don't know, but I know. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My thoughts are too high for your understanding. My ways are not your ways. I know you don't know, but I know. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm thinking, but I know what I'm doing, and I know what I'm thinking. I know the thoughts that I think, and this is interesting, toward you. Not of you. Oh, I'm thinking of you. Oh, thank you. Toward you. Your way. You know what I did today in preparation for this chapter tonight is I spent some time, I would really encourage you to do this, in Psalm 139, where David just, I mean, it's so 
powerful. He He's just praising the Lord, and he says of the Lord that your thoughts toward me are so numerous and incalculable, you cannot actually count them because they're as numerous as the sands on the seashore. That's how often your thoughts are directed towards me my way. What do you think? What do you think? That's how God thinks about you, towards you. He thinks about you all the time. The sands on the seashore, let's just take the number of the sands on Kailua Beach. That's a lot. That's how often He thinks towards us. And what does He think when He directs His thoughts towards us? His thoughts towards us, toward you, says the Lord, are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that word future sort of carries with it the idea of in the end. In other words, this will come to an end, and I'm going to bring it to an end, a future end, have hope. Now, you're in Babylon, you've been taken captive, and you hear that Jeremiah wrote a letter that this guy brought, and now you want to know what's in that letter, because you're really struggling. And you're confused, because you've got guys over here telling you it's going to be two years, you've got Jeremiah saying it's going to be 70 years. All you know is, I'm here, and this isn't good, I don't want to be here. I want to be home. I'm homesick for Jerusalem, and now I'm taken captive here in Babylon. And you read this part of Jeremiah's letter. How encouraged are you? How much hope do you have now? This is what I mean by the context in which a life verse like this is written. This is why it's so powerful, because they would have certainly thought that God was angry at them, and even worse, that God was through with them. And is this not true of us when we're going through a difficult time? What is our default? Let's be honest. What is our default? Oh man, I really blew it this time. God's not too happy with me. In fact, truth be made known, he's pretty upset with me. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's done with me. And the Lord needs to remind you, remind me, no, I'm not through with you. I, I have a plan, a future plan. And my thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace. I'm not going to harm you. I have a future plan for you, and it's good. It's a future and a hope. And my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace, not of evil. I don't have any evil thoughts towards you. I don't have any malicious thoughts towards you. I love you. I'm not angry with you. And I'm certainly not through with you either. 
This is Romans 8. This is Romans 8. Nothing, no one will ever separate you from the love that God has for you, neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities nor powers of darkness or anything created. I mean, pretty much covers everything. You cannot find anything that the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit missed when he goes through that list of anything that could possibly separate us from the love that God has for us. There's nothing you can do that makes God love you less. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. That's why he's all over you at times like this. And what's he saying to you? Man, I don't know. That was pretty bad. (laughs) God's pretty mad. See, Satan is all about distancing us from the Lord. Because see, once we get saved, we come to the Lord. He has to shift his strategy. See, he'll always do everything and stop at nothing before we get saved to keep us from getting saved. But then once we get saved, his sole goal is to distance us, disenfranchise us from the Lord. And this is his most powerful way of doing it. He starts bringing in the guilt and the condemnation. Well, that's Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no guilt, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. There's no anger. There's no ill will. No, it's peace. It's good. It's a future. It's hope. And God's not through with you. God's not mad at you. God loves you. And that Talk about another life verse, verse 28. Within that context of chapter 8, we quote it so well. For we know, not hope, wish, think, we know that God works all things together for the good, for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Yeah, but this is really bad. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Yeah, but this is going to be that one time where Romans 8.28 doesn't apply. It still applies. I know it might seem like, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, it might seem like you're looking at your circumstances, you're thinking, (laughs) all things work together for the good. I think all things except this thing, because this is really bad. I don't know how God is going to do this. I don't know how God is going to bring good out of this. You don't know how God's going to do it? That's okay. God knows how He's going to do it. I know what I'm doing. I know my thoughts. I know you don't know my thoughts. And by the way, think about it. You don't want to know how God thinks because <laughs> yeah, He's not God. Could, could you imagine if your thoughts were like God's thoughts? Oh man, we're toast. (laughs) How disconcerting is that? He's God. His ways are too high for our understanding. Who knows the mind of the Lord? Yeah, you don't know how God's going to do it, but God knows how He's going to do it. And here's the other thing, God knows when He's going to do it. See, I struggle more sometimes with the when than I do the how. Okay, I, I believe, I know God is able. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. He's the God of the impossible. I get that, and I believe that. But here's my struggle. When? What are you waiting for, Lord? Now would be a good time, because it's like getting worse. And Lord says, I know what I'm doing. 
I know you know what you're doing. I believe you, Lord. But it's not you doing this. It's when are you going to do this? Because see, you know how we are, right? We want everything now. Now. Because we're so patient. Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord will wait so He can be gracious unto you. Just wait. Just wait. You'll see what God's going to do. God's going to do it. He's going to do it in His time and in His way and for His glory. Before we leave this life verse, verse 11, one more thought. We'll move on to verse 12. The reason that this is a life verse for many, and rightfully so, is because it is that much-needed reminder, and we need to be reminded. In fact, that's what the communion celebration is all about. It's a reminder. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance. Remember. Why? Because we forget. When are we more likely to forget? When we're in captivity in our Babylon? When we're struggling in our trials? And so here comes this letter with the Word of God, Jeremiah 29.11, and it just settles us. Oh yeah. No, God's not mad at me. God still loves me. God still has a plan for me. God's not through with me. There is a future end, and there is hope. Thank you, Lord, for verse 11. (laughs) Verse 12. I'm sure of it right here, verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. By the way, spoiler alert, chapter 30 and 31, Lord willing, is all about that. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Again, how encouraging would this be? You're captive there in Babylon and you're hearing this word, God's giving you His word, that I'm going to bring you back. I know you're in captivity, but I'm going to bring you back. This is not how it ends. I'm going to bring you back to the land from which you were carried away captive, the place that I allowed you to be carried away captive. What's the point? Here's the point. God's prophetic plan will always prevail even when the difficult circumstances make it seem impossible. Oh, I think we'd so err greatly when we look at our God through the lens of our circumstances. And even worse than that, we interpret the circumstances, the difficulties in our lives through that same lens. So in other words, where I'm at right now, what I'm struggling with and what I'm going through seems to override what God's promises to me. 
we oftentimes interpret, I should say misinterpret, those trials in our lives as we must be out of God's will. I mean, yeah, maybe God's mad at me. Okay, He's not mad at me, but I'm surely not in God's will. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in the middle of this trial. You can be right smack in the middle of the trial of your life and actually be right smack in the middle of God's will for your life. Stop interpreting the circumstances in your life that way. Don't look at your God through your circumstances. Look at your circumstances through your God. See, what happens is when you focus on the issues, the struggles, the trials, the difficulties, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And in so doing, God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's just the way the mind works. We just have this incredible ability to take something and just, I mean, make it so perilous. I mean, we're really good at it. It's the what ifs. You know what I'm talking about? You take that situation, you start forwarding it, fast forwarding it, and what if, and what if, and what if, and oh no, and God's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Is there, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've made this thing just so big now, and I'm over here going, hello, remember me? And you start looking at your God, and all of a sudden those circumstances become smaller and your God becomes bigger. It's Philippians 4.8 actually, think on these things. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. They've actually done brain scans and shown where that you are what you think. Now please, uh, this is not a positive confession thing. But that parts of the brain, when you're not thinking on things that are pure and righteous and of a good report and things that glorify God and the Word of God, that part of the brain, it just turns gray. And then when you're meditating on the Word of God, the brain just starts sending all the right messages. That's the brain center. That's the message center to the entire body. And it changes everything. And our problem is, is that when we're going through a trial, is that those circumstances just overpower. They overpower everything. And I think we would do well to say to our circumstances, you sit down and shut up. Yeah, I said shut up. Don't email me, please. I get enough emails anyway. Just sit down and stop talking. Is that better? That's more sanctified, I guess, more pastoral. You just sit down and stop talking, because I, I stopped listening to you. I'm going to listen to the Word of the Lord. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, but fear comes by hearing that. No wonder I'm crippled in fear. No wonder I'm filled with anxiety. I'm listening to that? No, just stop talking. That's enough. In fact, you know what? Leave the room, actually. Leave the room. And don't let the door hit you on the way out. In fact, I'm locking the door. You can't come back in. You are not allowed on the premises of my mind and my heart. 
Okay, I feel better now. Verse 15, because you have said, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, and concerning your brethren who have not gone out with you into captivity. Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 17, behold, I will send on them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and will make them like rotten figs. Remember chapter 24? Rotten figs that cannot be eaten, they are so bad. Do you know what's happening here? Well, it would seem that these false prophets that were there in their midst in Babylon were deceiving these captives into believing that those that were still in Judah were better off. Now stay with me. They're captive now in Babylon, but their uncles and aunties and brothers, <laughs> and they're still in Jerusalem. They're like, what's up with this? That's not fair. And so Jeremiah's got to address it. And again, it's like he's saying, stop listening to them. Don't be deceived by them, because apparently it sounds like they're telling you, yeah, you guys are the bad figs, because you got taken captive. And those guys there in Judah, man, they're just, <laughs> they're laughing, going, nah, 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 you got taken captive, and here we are in Judah. Actually, you don't want to still be there. You know why? Because the Lord is going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. So you might want to rethink that. You're there captive in Babylon. Remember what Jeremiah, by the word of the Lord, prophesied and said to them? Don't fight this. You're going to be under the yoke of the king of Babylon. You want to live? You go to Babylon and you're captive in Babylon for 70 years. You want to die? Fight it or try to stay in Jerusalem. So here's these guys in Jerusalem, the brethren in Jerusalem, thinking, hey, we're still here. You know, God's dealing with them over there. They're taken captive in Babylon. Lord, when you're done, let me know. I'll, we'll be here in Jerusalem. You know where to find us. You know our address. Uh, actually, no, you won't. I wonder, they needed to hear this too, right? Because they're asking those questions. Why do we get taken captive and they didn't? Oh, that's why. I'm good now. Never mind. Sorry I asked. I'm good here. I'll just stay here. I'm going to buy a house now, actually, because of, <laughs> I'm not going to rent anymore. I'm going to start planning the wedding now. We're going to have grandchildren. Yeah. Verse 18, right? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Thank you. Thank you for being so gracious to me, by the way. And I will pursue them with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and I will deliver them to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, an astonishment, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them, because, verse 19, they have not heeded my words, says the Lord, which I sent to them by my servants the prophets, rising up early and sending them, neither would you heed, says the Lord. This almost reads verbatim like chapter 24, with that parable 
of the rotten figs, the good figs and the bad figs. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.